Oh, hey! My name is Elizabeth Henstridge and I played Gemma Simmons on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for seven seasons! Oh my gosh, seven seasons, not over it. Clearly not over it because now I'm making a whole podcast about it where I re-watch each episode with people who worked on it in front and behind the camera. We'll spill the tea with some juicy BTS, do a deep dive into the show, answer your questions and ultimately, hopefully, demystify the industry by sharing all the ways to work in it and the pathways to get there, challenges and all. I hope this podcast can inspire you whether you'd like to pursue a career in film and TV or not. My mic is named Liam and you are welcome to be a Lilpid, which is our community name because I love leopard print and my nickname is Lil. So with that, welcome to Live with Lil, the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Hello. Ooh, I don't know what accent that was. I've decided to scrap my headphones, so hopefully it sounds okay, this little intro after last week's fairly poor sound quality from me, my end. Hello, welcome to episode 118 of Live with Lil, the podcast. Welcome along. I am sitting, hugging, cradling the radiator next to me that is on full blast. So if you can hear sort of a wind machine, that's the radiator on full because it is a blustery, snowy evening here in London town tonight as I record this podcast intro. So yeah, sorry about that. I'll probably get to the point where, because see, what I do if I'm cold is I turn everything up full blast and then I get so hot, then I turn it all down cold and then I get to, you know, it's a whole roller coaster we go on instead of just going for the mid-range. So I'll probably be absolutely boiling by the time I finish this, but good because, oh, I'm just cold to the bone at the moment. Anyway, you have probably not tuned in to him, my body temperature regulation woes. You've tuned in because today is episode 118 of Live with Lil. Uh, amazing guests this week, Adrian Pazdar, who plays General Talbot, will be on. And confession, <laughs> he's not in this episode for very long, but it's the introduction to his character. And I'm just so obsessed with him that I just needed to have him on the first second that I could. So he is going to be on this week. And I'm so excited about that, along with Ken Fuller, who was the head of sound on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is now the head of sound on another show. And these two go way back. So I just feel like they're going to be such a brilliant duo. And there may be a couple of other sound people hopping on if they can. Very busy people. But sound's just one of those departments that... When I I went and uh, did a short film, directed it and produced it and everything, and sound was one of the areas that I just feel like you can really tell. You can't f- fudge it, <laughs> clearly, from my sound issues last week. I could do with some sound tips. But it's just, it's such a intricate part of making a show that Hopefully you watch a TV show and you don't really think about it. And I feel like I can watch so many movies and TV series and just know when it's ADR, which is when you have to go in and dub your lines because the sound quality wasn't great. And uh, we're going to get into all the nuts and bolts of it. And I'm just such a geek for sound and Ken is wonderful. So I'm really excited to hear his perspective on everything and how that works. And I'm just 
yeah, I just, I love that he is coming on. He's such good fun and just a font of knowledge and sound knowledge. And he's been doing this for a long, long time and has also directed and was so encouraging of me when I directed the episode. And as a head of department, you have a lot of interaction with the heads of departments as a director. And so he was just wonderful and so supportive, as was his entire team, who I love dearly, who I hope you'll get to meet them on this episode. And if they're not able to hop on, then certainly at a future episode, 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 hopefully we'll get them on as well. So let's get to a couple of emails this week. We got so many lovely emails. Thank you for sending them in. Oh, hey, Lil, my name's M, and I love watching and listening to all of the life with Lils. They really motivate me, motivate me for the day ahead. I love to do my college work and listen to life with Lil. And Zach, can't forget Zach. I know, should it be life with Zill? Discuss. Even if I, that was me, oh my gosh, I need to get better at reading these emails. Can you tell I'm getting a bit excited because I'm suddenly starting to get a bit warm? <laughs> Even if I'm just listening to the podcast, it helps me escape from all the stress around me, mainly in this given time. I love hearing a lot more about the show and it's so lovely to see how close you all are. And I love learning more about the performing industry and every job within it. Oh, I hope you love this week's because the sound's on. Even before COVID happened, my year didn't start great. So I would watch old episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D. just to escape from the stress. And when the lives and podcasts first started, I was so happy again as I could de-stress for an hour or so with everything that's going on. All of us Lil Pugs appreciate all you and Zach have done to keep the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fandom alive as you didn't have to do all these lives, but they have got everyone through lockdown. So thank you. Also, after listening to your podcast, Zach and Augustine, and the question about the British flag, I knew I heard somewhere before that the flag had two names and you were right with it having... Another name, it's also called the Union Flag 2. Oh my gosh, I don't know about the boat part that you said about. Um, and that was from M. Right, M, I'm so glad you brought this up because, yes, I gave it to Google. And <laughs> drum roll, it is inconclusive. It's called the Union Flag, but then it's also called the Union Jack. And everybody here in England, that I know at least, calls it the Union Jack. And it's the flag for the UK, the United Kingdom. But there was something that I had in my brain, buried deep down in there, that it wasn't, that was on the aperitif episode at the start of the year, that I felt like it could only be called a Union Jack when it was on a naval ship or maybe the Queen's ship. Anyway, it turns out that this is potentially a thing, but here's what Wikipedia says. The term Union Jack and Union Flag are both used historically for describing the national flag of the United Kingdom. Whether the term Union Jack applies only when used as a Jack flag on a ship is a matter of debate. The claim that the Union Jack properly refers only to naval usage has been disputed following historical investigations by the Flag Institute. The Flag Institute. Well, who knew? Maybe we'll get the Flag Institute on for Alive and really, really dig deep into this anyway so they think maybe it's called the union jack came from it being put up on ships because it was flown on what is called the jack staff so maybe when it's on a ship it's called the union jack technically maybe that's where the name comes from who knows i've been down a whole rabbit hole this evening trying to sort of get an answer for um but alas i do not have one but there is something in it but it is disputed in the world of Wikipedia and a lot of royal websites, which I never knew existed, which, yeah, you might get more royal facts for you moving forward. Anyway, (laughs) 
you're probably not here to hear about that. So I'm going to leave you with a couple of reviews and maybe a little thought that I had this week that, again, feel free to skip past that part, but don't skip past the reviews because I'm so grateful for all of you writing reviews. We've got so many now, which is amazing, and I just love reading them, and I appreciate your kind words, and it really does help other people find us, so thank you. This one is from Amy, who says, I love this podcast so much. It's so interesting to hear other people's stories and how they got into the industry. Elizabeth is so fun to listen to, and I always feel inspired every time I listen. Thank you so much, Amy. That just absolutely makes my life. Next one is from Stella, who is from Canada. Says, first off, I'm a huge fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and absolutely love this podcast. It's the perfect podcast for any S.H.I.E.L.D. agent looking for any behind-the-scenes information and stories. The guests that come on are amazing and you can tell that they truly enjoyed working on the show. Overall, this podcast is amazing and should definitely be checked out by anyone who loves Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or who simply wants to have a good time. Oh, oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Stella and Amy. For this week's reviews, you will be entered into a big raffle, which will be drawing the winners at the end of season one, which we're on, what we are now, 18. Uh, And there's 22, so four more episodes. We'll be doing a big reveal of who's won and what prizes they've won. There'll be multiple winners as well, because, you know, it's all about having multiple winners. Oh my gosh, am I recording? Oh, she is. Well done, Liam. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Do you know, it's nice to have these lives just to speak to people. Oh, right then, here we go. Episode, oh my gosh. Oh, Providence, that was it. (laughs) I forgot what it was called. Uh, Where is it? I've got it up on my little... Oh, here we go. Here we go. 118, titled Providence. And as I... I'm watching these episodes, it really, season one, even though we're episode 18, I'm still watching these episodes thinking, gosh, I remember filming this and just feeling, particularly with last week's episode, and I think perhaps it was because there was so much pressure around it and so much secrecy, I just watched it and remembered how unsure of myself I felt and how nervous I felt and how I just I found quite a lot of the lines in the episode difficult to deliver for some reason and I think I was just um I don't know I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin yet and some episodes as an actor or some jobs or some days you have and you think oh my gosh cracked it nailed it that was amazing and other days you just feel like you're the worst actor in the world and you can't do it and what is your life and why are you doing it? And I have got better at um, feeling confident, but it just made me think that one of the things that got me through stressful days like that is just thinking, well, what are all the things I can do to fill the cup of my job if I do not feel particularly talented on (laughs) a day or if I can't get the line out or if I just am not if I don't leave the scene feeling like, oh my gosh, I nailed it. And I feel like this might be quite relatable, regardless of what your job is or what your task is. There are always going to be days when you just feel like you didn't nail it. And you have to be okay with that and get to work the next day and just turn up and try to do a good job again. And one thing I always do is thinking like, where are the points that I can earn 100%? So that is turning up 10 minutes early, 
being as prepared as I can, being really nice to everybody, be feeling grateful. There's just so many different things that you can do that feel like they fill up your cup. And then if you're not the most talented there, or if you don't feel like you nail it or land the joke or land the moment or, you know, finish your presentation with a plum or you just feel like something's a bit flat, there are so many other things you can do that count towards you doing a good job. You don't always have to have that X factor. It can be that you are just lovely to be around and a joy for other people to work with. That's what people are going to remember. They're not really going to remember how I was in scene four of episode 17 of season one, but they might remember that I was kind to them or Asta was genuinely curious about their day or their life. And, you know, so I think, I don't know, just a little thought for the day. We'll see if we keep this thought in. Oh, it might not make any sense, but it's just something, re-watching season one that we have been doing for quite a long time now, but it just really made me feel like those are still valid parts of a job. You don't always have to be the most talented or the funniest or, you know, the quickest at coming in with staff or, you know, you don't have to be... It's not just that elusive X factor that makes you wonderful to work with and be around. Anyway, I don't know if any of that made sense. We're not here necessarily to talk about my thoughts. We're here to watch episode 118, Providence. So here we go. And also, oh gosh, I'm saying this and then I just keep thinking of new things to say. We got a question, which I was going to do questions in the outro and I will still do that. But we also got a question to say, are the YouTube lives really live or a pre-recorded Zoom? Most podcasts seem to have a delay from recording to release. For example, they'll talk about events that happened a week ago, but your episodes are up a day later. Well, so here's how it goes. That's Agent Koenig, oh, uh, who will definitely talk about Agent Koenig today. And that was from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Reddit page. Yes, yeah, so the way it works is the Zooms are, well, they're live on Sunday. So we do them on YouTube live. And then we have interaction from the chat. And then we, when we bring people on, that's live on YouTube that those people are coming on. But then if you're listening to this intro, we are about to listen to the YouTube live that happened on Sunday. So it's recorded live, but it was recorded on Sunday to a live YouTube audience. Does that answer your question? So... Yes, it's always Sunday and then Tuesday is when it goes up on the podcast. So that's it. Which is, I was going to say, oh yeah, it's, a t- it's that's two days. But it's actually, you're right, it is more like one day because we record Sunday night and it goes up at 1 minute past 12 a.m. on Tuesday morning. So quite a quick turnaround. Anyway, that's how it goes. I hope you enjoy it. I'm really excited about this one. I am now hot. I might have to go and have a quick shower. (laughs) Although, thank goodness, they can't... No one can smell you on Zoom. So, brilliant. Maybe I won't. Just put an extra layer of deodorant on. I'll spoil you with some good smelling armpits. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Gosh need to speak to people more. Thank God I've got you guys. Hey, thank you for being here. I'm so happy that you are. Let's go. Episode 118, Providence. Oh, (laughs) because I've got quite a lot of comments and emails when I said last week that do you care if podcast is three hours long? Thank goodness 
everybody emailed back saying make it as long as you want because this intro is now 18 minutes so sorry all right let's do this bye but don't go anywhere because we're about to do the whole point of the podcast this waffle was just the preamble to pump you up I'm my own what's that thing that comes on like before a comedy show uh the hype man I'm the hype woman for myself all right I'll see you on the other side Welcome to level seven. This is actually a bit thrilling. Someone really wanted our initials to spell out shield. We have a small but active fan base. We are unstoppable together. You guys are my family. We don't move on. We hold that place in our heart, even after we say goodbye. We are not agents of nothing. We are agents of shield. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 118 of Live with Lil. Um, here are my esteemed guests. I'm so excited. We have Ken Fuller, head of sound, and Adrian Pastar, General Talbot on Agents of Shield, and then also a million other things. Adrian, I was looking at your um litany of work before uh just before coming on here. I'd forgotten how much voiceover you've done. Loads of it. It's been awfully fun. And the fact that Ken Fuller and I still get along after him having to listen to my voice just on set. Isn't that? <laughs> what, huh? <laughs> I said, Ken, you're great. Yeah. You're the well, best. <laughs> it's so great just, that Ken just can't hear very well. That's why he's lasted so long in the business. That's totally so yeah, uh, one of the best guys I've ever worked with. That's for sure. Well, Adrian and I have worked together for, I mean, decades, really. We go back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, House of Frankenstein? House of Frankenstein, Mike. Yeah. And that oh was the, it was on I stage five at Universal, remember? That yeah. that was a minute ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I, but I thought hair. Yeah. yeah. Somebody <laughs> stole your hair. That did that. <laughs> Um, right, I'm going to press play on this episode because otherwise I'll just chat and giggle to you all. Zach is going to be monitoring the chat. So if you guys have questions, I'm on it in the chat and he's going to be on it. Um, right, I'm going to get better at my clock this week. Um, right, let me see how it goes. So are you watching it too, Ken, or no? I'm on Netflix, but I'm not sure where to find it. Okay, so you just type in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is it still on Netflix? Yeah, okay, search for mm -hmm. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Okay. Although, it is it only on Disney Plus? I know in the UK where I am, it's only on Disney Plus right now. Oh, the okay. chat's gonna tell us. I mean, now it's giving me all the episodes. Oh no, right, so you go to season one, episode 18, titled Providence. Yeah, I see it. It's a great episode. Right, so then we'll... <laughs> I can recite all my lines to you. Oh my gosh, did you press play already, Ken? Whoops. Oh my gosh. All right, I'm gonna press play now. Nothing's changed. Three, two, one, go. Go. Oh my gosh, I got the clock going as well. Ah, oh, phew. Right, now I can relax. Now we're going. Is this clock the right way around still? It looks backwards to me. Yeah, it's going. Oh, oh my gosh, we did it. Oh, okay, good. So, right, carry on. I thought you guys worked together on Heroes and that was it. It was um, yeah. the stuff before Heroes? Yeah, yeah. We have A big oh uh, miniseries for NBC. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 
Were you head of sound then as well, Ken? I was. I've oh been doing this since film was invented. Yeah. Elizabeth, he was born head of sound, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, born at his mixer board. Born yeah. It was very difficult on my mom. <laughs> Just come out with the hands. <laughs> exactly. Ken, can you describe what you do? Because... I'm not sure I even know. I mean, I know what you do, but can you just describe the department and maybe a bit about how you got into it and just, you know, the magic that you do? Uh, the job title is production sound mixer. And on any television show, there's usually three or four different mixers. There's one production mixer and there's two or three post-production mixers. I, as a production mixer, are on the set with my crew, usually crew three or four guys, uh, and we're primarily responsible for recording all the onset production dialogue, everything you guys say to each other. We try to get it as clean as possible, um, try to lower the background noises, lower the footsteps are a problem for us, try to get you guys to speak up a little bit. <laughs> those people with pesky accents to kind of Americanize their speech. Uh, so that the audience on the day when they're watching it can understand all the words because nothing more irritating than sitting there and watching a beautiful show and having to work your clicker because it's too loud or it's too quiet. You don't know what did he say? And then you got to rewind it. And then your wife is mad at you for doing that. So we got to get it as clear as possible. And then I turn it over to the post-production mixers who add uh, the music and the effects and the explosions. And in the case of our show, a lot of explosions. Uh, I have a crew, like I said, of uh, three or four people, depending on uh, the size of the show. Um, I'm very, very fortunate to have some of the best in the business. I've had the same people with me for, some, in some case, 20 years. Uh, and I have Tommy, too. <laughs> and Tommy. Yeah, I was going to say, got to throw Tom in. I beat you to that, Adrian. <laughs> yeah, you did. I'm just trying to be a nice guy. Yeah, <laughs> <Tom>. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> So you're so the people in your team on on the set, you're the mixer. So you're from our point of view, like as actors, you sit at almost like a podium and a throne, if you will. More of a throne, yeah. A throne, yeah. That's the word I think. Sorry, <laughs> and you have a like a almost looks like a DJ desk. No, like a lighting cue. Look. How would you describe it? It's a location digital recording sound package. Oh, of course. Come on. <laughs> That's what you think. Come on, though. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it has to go everywhere and everywhere and anywhere that we go. On, on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we went all over the place. Uh, it's a multi-track digital recorder with uh, multiple channels of wireless transmitters and receivers so that we can put the microphones on the actors and they're free to go anywhere they want. Uh, and we can record them under all kinds of different uh, circumstances. It has to be a very robust unit. It has to work every single time. Uh, it has to be very portable. Um, and it does look like a throne, but uh, it's basically called a sound card. And on it are all the components that we use to um, facilitate whatever you guys want. Whatever you direct the, our job is to make that happen. You've seen the throne on Game of Thrones. They got that from Ken's. Very. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so Adrian, could you talk through, as an actor, when you arrive on set, 
through the miking process because it's a we have as actors we have mic packs on us at all times and unless we try and unplug them because we want to say something sneaky we're you know we are on we can be in people's headphones all day so you've got to hide these mic packs on us can you describe the miking process adrian well yeah sure for me it's probably easier than than for you um Depending I, on the I, outfit. Yeah, it depend, I'm always wearing a suit. So very rarely am I in a scene in a banana hammock. Uh, <laughs> Ken would find a way. <laughs> oh, he would. <laughs> we'll just put this right here. Ow! No, uh, it's, you know, for me, it's always I'm wearing a suit. So I feel goes, but generally I like to have the pack on my ankle because um, they can get warm sometimes. And it's, it's more comfortable for me. I can move or sit down and not have to worry about having a lump, you know, yep. that, you know, in my mm -hmm. back. Um, so for me, it's always been, and once you get to know the boys, uh, the sound guys, uh, you know, they know, everybody knows the drill. My funnest part in the morning is dropping the ice cold yeah. <laughs> down my leg, carrying the, that Ken's kind enough to keep in the freezer. On ice. <laughs> at, all, at all times. Only yours. Yeah, just mine. Everybody else's gets heated up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, here's General Talbot. You're on right now. Um, do you? Yeah, I can't see. What happened? Uh, you're basically telling Colson that he that you're going to be arriving any second, and that he has to stay there. And then that's when we all kind of run away. Right. Um, the famous Talbot mustache is. Oh, is this, this up is the famous fake mustache, right? <laughs> yes, this oh, is yeah. round one of the mustache. Oh I my like. goodness, it was. Uh, I was sitting in the makeup trailer just before we get to the sound guys. And, and I said, this mustache isn't working. It looked like I had a caterpillar going across my face. <laughs> and you know, because your face is, well, your face is symmetrical. Mine is all over the place, like a Picasso. So one side could be even and the other side go like this. And I, all the producers, Loeb and, and uh, every, everybody, uh, Mo came down and they're looking at it and they're looking at me in the makeup chair going, yeah, no. <laughs> fine, like this. So uh, fortunately, I was allowed to grow my own mustache after that. And um, I think I had just come off a previous job, so I hadn't had a chance to grow it, but we were able to do that. Um, yeah, that mustache, that picture has haunted me. You know, the conventions <laughs> and stuff that we have to do. Yeah, yeah, right? and then you get that picture every time. Yeah, and then the, I'll get there and the promoter will have a picture of a thousand stack of me with that thing going off my <laughs> And the producers assured me nobody would ever see it. It'll never get on the interweb. Yeah, well, Oh, live. God, that's always the way, isn't it? When you go, oh, brilliant, yes. I always just sign over the bits that I don't like. So there's so many right. pictures of my face out there with like, hi, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> like over the whole thing, yeah. It's just always over the mustache for you. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't get around it. I had to laugh through it, you know, otherwise- It looks me. good though, but the fun, I remember that day because we were all like, it looks great, you know, amazing. And then we're like, it's gonna be, you know, how how big are you gonna be in the screen, really? And then the scene is you on this huge <laughs> just, screen. Right. <laughs> You're like 10 feet in the air, just your face, the mustache. And it starts itself. on yeah. the mustache, right? And then you slowly pull back. <laughs> yeah. I think Ken had to mic the mustache. <laughs> 
I'm just surprised we haven't seen like the uh, Bernie Sanders meme in the mustache. On the right, mustache. right. Yes, someone make that. Oh my gosh, please make that. Oh, I've had um, enough hits on that. People, yeah, it's always like, ha ha, the old mustache room trick. It's such a brilliant part of the character, though. I mean, General Talbot, obviously, the mustache, from your point of view, improved. Me watching it, I don't really even know. I noticed the mustache because I just remember it not it being a tricky thing. You're you're being you're being really sweet because I remember every actor doing their scenes with me and just staring at the mustache. <laughs> and I'm like, my eyes are up here. You know. Come on, give me some respect. <laughs> People were looking at it like, what is that? See that thing? Um, how did you? How did the role of General Talbot come about? I remember when the rumors went round that, oh my gosh, Adrian Pazitai is going to be, he's going to have this part. Da, da, da. It was such a buzz. And then Ken flattened the buzz by saying, you don't want to work with this guy, Ever. but everybody else was excited. Um, how did that, how did that happen? Because did you know that he was going to be such an, an icon of the show and have this incredible journey or? No, I didn't. Ken, I mean, I... You stop it, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> No, is that the mustache sign? No. <laughs> um, I was in New York. It was Christmas or something like that. I was at uh, around the holidays and I was uh, with my youngest son at uh, Toys R Us and I got a call from, it's not there anymore, in Times Square. Oh, and I got a call from Loeb saying, um, we need you to come and do this thing. It's a guy who's quite a, not a nice guy. Uh, it's his way or the highway. And we couldn't think, thought of anybody better to do it than you. And I was like, well, that's a backhanded, thank you? I'm <laughs> yeah, not really what? sure what, like, what you're saying to me. But um, my youngest son at the time knew um, there was a Midtown Comics was around the corner. And uh, he said, we got to go there immediately. And you'll find out everything you need to know about who this guy is. Because they have a, a Bible there, a tomb of like, in a back room of every Marvel Universe character that's ever stepped. <gasps> and your son just knew yeah. that that was there? Yeah. And so he knew that the, all the information was there. So we went, and of course, whenever I go in there, um, due to heroes and things like that, we always get a little, you know, oh, look, it's CNN, and it's really nice. Yeah. That's friendly, friendly guys. And, you know, their, 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 their world is just the comics, and the best place to go is there for information. So I called Jeff back after that and said, well, I have some ideas. And I ran them past him. He said, perfect, let's do it. And that's, it was, that was that simple. And I've known Jeff because he was a writer-producer on... Uh, Heroes. Heroes and Kent with Kent yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. How did both of you get the gig on Heroes? And was that the first? Was that your first foray into sci-fi, Ken, or had you done that kind of thing before? It wasn't my first. Uh, somehow I got. I wouldn't say stuck. It's paid for this house, but I've been doing sci-fi for a long time. I mean, I did. Uh, I tend to do pilots of shows, and if they go to series, if it was a good experience, I stick around. I did the pilot in the series to um, a show called Sliders at Universal years ago, uh, Lois and Clark at Warner Brothers. Um, somehow I get channeled into that kind of stuff and it's great. I have no problem with it, but um, then, you know, he Heroes was kind of the granddaddy of them all. It was- Oh, it was so I, special. That pilot was unbelievable. And the show, the series was great too. It was it was an interesting, interesting uh, uh, job. And then along comes Agents of Shield, which blows them all away. I mean, that pilot was amazing. We we pulled out all the stops for that, and right. season one was amazing too. 
who knew the journey we were going to go on? I was just thinking about Adrian's character when he first came in. I had no idea how that was going to play out. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was fabulous. I, I remember when, when uh, they called me upstairs in the, you know, in the offices up there with everybody, I thought it was to say, thanks very much. You've done a great job, but we're not going to be using you this season. And it was quite the opposite. It was the, this is going to happen this season. You can't tell anybody. And I was like, I walked out of there on my feet, just going, you know, they're not even touching the ground. I was so, you know, you get, you know, how you feel when you get told something you don't expect that way, especially when it's work related. Yeah, totally. And were you, because I mean, you've done long running TV shows before and, you know, so it's a commitment to a character and it's sci-fi is just kind of a different realm for an actor anyway. Were you kind of, was there any part of you that started this going, I want to do just a couple episodes and I don't want to be tied down or? Well, they promised me Ken wasn't going to be there the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> That's when I signed the contract. But no, I, you know, no, it was once you get on, you know, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. The love and the friendship and the camaraderie. And, and for people who don't know, when you work on a long running show, you, that becomes your family in a way different than, I mean, you have your family at home, but you're spending 15 hours a day with these people and you all have inside jokes and everybody's, you know, and we have those laugh fests. Do you remember that one scene where I was doing, trying to do the work and you guys couldn't, <laughs> you had to all turn around and look the other way. We could. One scene. Yeah, I know. well, thanks, Ken. <laughs> I mean, I think Clark actually put a bag over his head, like he, cause he just couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> there was so much, so I think, I don't, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what I, how do I put this? When I heard that you were coming on the show, I felt like I was, I felt like you would, you were, you're just so funny and sparkly eyed and well, like just very, it's hard to explain, but there's something about being in a scene with you where that's the work you're doing is obviously is so brilliant, but there's a way that you do it. And General Talbot is just such a brilliant character that, it, you are you were the cause of basically all the bloopers in any season that you were in. They were all around your scenes because we just absolutely lose it. And you're so well, right that you joy. A, that's so sweet of you. I mean, you guys were the best and you made it so. It wouldn't have made any sense if you guys hadn't had that sense of, you know, the whole cast, the whole uh, crew, everybody it was just, you hear you have a guy who's d dead serious about his stuff, but he's also sort of a buffoon of a, you know, I mean, he—it's he's he's uh, he's Laurel and Hardy mixed into one. Yeah. You know, he's like he's his own straight man, and he doesn't even know it half the time. Yes, yes. And then you throw you throw Clark and you and 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 Ian and and the whole gang into the mix, and you're also very serious. And here comes this guy in a blue suit with a funny mustache. You know. Oh my gosh, and he, he was so brilliant. And I, you had such have, a strong character from the start. It was. It was written so well. That's you know that's the key. It's always. It was so funny. I'm getting a lot of questions from the chat. Elise in particular, just asking about, was there anything that was your favorite aspect or you know, character trait of Talbot that you just enjoyed or you leaned into? Uh, was there anything in particular? I mean, it was the people that I worked with, to be honest with you, that made it so, like that episode where I was handcuffed to Clark the whole time, wearing a dress. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, who sat in the writer's room and decided, what, we're going to put... Talbot in a dress and handcuff him to Clark. It'll be hysterical. <laughs> and it was. It, it was, was so you funny. know, and we're, 
we're trying to get out and he wants to go one way and I go the other and her arms are linked at that with handcuffs. I mean, it was the people more than character traits that made the, the show memorable for me and, and going to work every day and uh, you know how fun it was. It and was it's, so you know, it's fun. not always like that, so. Yeah, when... yeah, yeah. And well, I think one of the things that made it made that part of the that when I was you know thinking about wanting to act and going to the auditions and before you book the job and before you get on set I hadn't realized the family that you talk about mm -hmm. of the crew as well because previously in theater that I had done you get very close with your cast and your director and then then you get into the theater and you don't really see other members of the crew as much as then when you go on a film set and the one of the first people you see is sound and they're like pushing something down your trousers and around the back and clipping you in and you know you get physically close and it's this element of trust and someone like you can you have to have a certain you you make people feel very comfortable and you know you're you put a microphone basically on a heartbeat and I've had scenes where I've had to come to you or Tom or Ron and say I know my heart is beating so fast and I don't, you know, I'm, I'm nervous in the scene and it's a subtle thing and you can go, I don't know, we'll just move it over here. Don't worry. I'll fix the levels. I'll figure it out. Um, is that just something you were born with, Ken, that ability to just, cause it's, it's a very personal thing. A sound an actor, you know, as an actor, I want to sound good, but I also, well, you know, sometimes we do emotional scenes and, you know, like, how do you, figure out that balance of, you gotta do your job, but. I, I think Adrian will tell you that I was born with an excessive amount of empathy. So yeah, I was born. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, you know, that, that fax that you sent me, that part was rubbed out. I couldn't see a, a <laughs> exceptional amount, not a zero amount. <laughs> no, fortunately I've had a, a pretty good career. I've done this going on 42 years now. I've been a sound mixer since 1985 and you learn these things you learn that you can as a sound guy sound is is kind of a subordinate department there's three or four of us trying to capture the sound there's 75 to 100 people capturing the performance the picture so you have to mm. figure out where you fit in um, if you're going to lead with your ego you're not going to last you've got to find a way to do the job and assert yourself, but at the same time, make people feel comfortable around you. And it takes a while. Not everyone can do that. Uh, it was on this show. It was easy because the cast was so great. I still remember the very first day that I met you and Ian uh, universal backlot. It was the actually the second day of photography, but officially the first day. And it's when we blew up that big old building in the yes, pilot. You guys yes. showed up and you guys were so sweet. My only regret <laughs> is you had no lines that day. So <laughs> yeah. did that. This is another thing I really like is, is like Adrian said, the actors go to hair and makeup, then they come to us. It's in the morning and everyone's fresh and everyone's pretty happy. We get to have our one-on-one -on -one time with the actors. And that's sort of what's good about putting microphones on them. That's our time to connect and, and say hello and how was your weekend and things like that. And then we all go do our job and yeah. we don't get to interact quite as much. So I, I really relish uh, those times, that early morning time when we get together and see you guys for the first time. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Ken, can you talk about how you, Patricia uh, is asking how you got started. And can you talk about, you said it was in 1985 as a mixer. How did that, how did you choose sound? How did you, how that, how that happened? Uh, yeah, um, I actually started right out of high school. I had, a, I had some friends that I knew in high school that did sound for really Roger Corman, low budget horror type films. I grew up in Culver City, right across from MGM. Both my oh, how cool. Yeah, That's I mean, so cool. I couldn't figure out why all these guys were parking in front of our house and going to work with their lunchboxes every day. They were the studio workers, and I never knew that. Both my parents were teachers, so I had no idea this is what I was going to do. I was a journalism major in school. I thought I was going to be a writer. But uh, this friend of mine was a sound mixer, and he needed somebody to carry cases and hold a boom. And I was like, you know, 19, 20 years old. And I, there was a little bit of cash involved, so I started with him, and it just grew just became one job after another and then one day he came to me and he said I've got this television show would you like to come with me and do it and I really wanted to you know continue my education uh but I, he looked at me he said they'll pay you two thousand dollars a week I went what <laughs> I was there that show was the Walton wow the Waltons the Waltons was my first television wow. show wow and that show the creator of the Waltons created a show called Falcon Crest and he took us all with him which went 10 years. And on that show in 1985, I went from boom man to sound mixer when the sound mixer had left there. Wait, and Ken, back up for a second. You were there on the set when they said all the good nights? Yeah. Good night, John Boy. You yeah. Were, you were there, huh? That's yeah. wild. Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing was at that time, I was younger than all the Walden kids. <laughs> no kidding. It was the last season, uh, last season of the Waltons. They were all kind of grown up. Right. Wow. Yeah. You were on for 10 years. When you say boom operator, can you explain what that is? Is that kind of where you start? He tries to explain it to Tom every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One day he'll get there. Obviously, neither of us know. <laughs> go over there and hold a, this thing up. A production sound crew has three or four uh, uh, key players. There's a sound mixer, uh, which I am, and then uh, my partners are the boom men. The boom men are the ones that hold the microphones. They actually put the mics on the actors uh, for the most part. They actually hold the booms, hold those heavy, they're not heavy, uh, booms over the actors and try to follow the actors all over the place. Hopefully the actors will do the same thing twice so we have an idea where they're going to go. <laughs> um, so Good luck. Some actors are better than others. Uh, uh, we also have one or two utility uh, sound people that act, maintain the gear, make sure all the gear is there for us, ready to go when we need it. Um, so that's the core crew. And then sometimes if we have music, we have playback guys, things like that. It depends on the, the particular show. Right on. It's, it's not very many people in the department on set for such a huge, you know, there's quite a lot of pressure. If you don't get that line, then, you know, we're going to be an ADR and it's hard to make that sound good when you have to dub your lines and, um, you know, it, it, do you just have to be good at coping with pressure, Ken? Um, you know, when it's fun, I really don't feel a lot of pressure um, because I've been on shows where, I mean, we, you talked about this earlier, it's a little bit of a toxic environment and it's not nearly as fun. And what has tends to happen, and I don't know if it happens with you three on, on stage, but you tend to not care quite as much if they're going to be jerks about it and they're not going to appreciate mm -hmm. it. You just say, okay, we call it phoning it in. We'll do our job, but we're not going to extend ourselves. We're not going to break our backs for these people. 
other people, you want it to be 110%. You want it to be great. And that's most of the people. Also, when you're on a show like S.H.I.E.L.D., we had the best of the best there. And you want to bring your A game because you don't want to be the department that that drops the ball. Or and has, Tommy. Has and Tommy. <laughs> department that asks for another take there'll be times when the camera department we know they made a mistake and we have made a mistake and we'll eyeball each other to see who's going to go first <laughs> and that's when usually i would step in and say i'd like another one yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i'm not even in the scene i'm just sitting by video <laughs> like another one they send that electric shock through your mic pack. Okay, I need another one. Can... <laughs> how much usable? How much usable dialogue do you get? Would you say on your in a day? If we spend fifteen hours, oh, good how question. much? Do you, how much do you think? I got. I got to tell you, if you want to keep your job, it better be ninety-eight to ninety-nine percent. Um, well, I meant like in terms of not not repetitive takes of the same scene, but actual stuff that ends in like what do we walk away with? a day that's usable footage. Oh, I don't you mean, mean, mean out of a 12 hour day, how much running time we have? Yeah. yeah. It's day, three minutes, four minutes. Isn't that something? Yeah, oh, we spend all the Yeah, I mean, you could do three days on a stunt that's gonna be on camera for, you know, 15, 20 seconds. Yeah. And then we yeah. do, we've done, you know, long dialogue scenes that are, you know, you're, you, and when you have a good cast that knows their dialogue and is prepared, You'll spend 12 hours for you know 10 minutes of film. You know some of those some of those small sets that we had. Uh, you know you're handcuffed to the table and you guys you and Clark are going back and forth. You know with your dialogue. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of work for for a little return sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah. but people, people don't recognize I think what the level of of work is in terms of for the end return. How much it takes to get the show done? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that doesn't consider all the prep work. I mean, yeah, that, that's the, like this, the prep is huge. Yeah. Do you, do you, you're not in prep, right, Ken? Because you have to be on set the whole time. So do you just. The only time I get to prep is the pilots because we have a big ramp up and I'm usually included in the preparation for that. Problem with once we start the series, I'm on set all the time. Yeah. So I, I can't. Uh, I can't involve myself in any of the prep. What I will do and what most sound guys should do is involve myself in the post-production because once the sound goes to the post-production mixers, um, I will go there on the weekend and hang with those guys. Uh, no way. See if they're getting what they need, if they can give me any suggestions on how to change things uh, and to learn. I learned so much from the post-production guys, what we can get away with on set. Sometimes... Yeah. There'll be a, an actor will be talking, there'll be a couple of noises. And instead of asking for another take because of those noises, well, I have learned from post that they can deal with those noises so we don't have to expend another take. Right. And actors love that because, I mean, ADR, ADR is when we go in post-production and we'll redo a line um, if, you know, Ian clanked down his tool halfway through my line, say. Ian, am I right? And I have to do it again. Um, and they're just so hard. I, I quite like ADR because it's a bit of a challenge, but you'll never get the same performance as when you were in the moment with the other actors. There are actors that love ADR because they get another shot at their performance. I've been told that. Yeah. 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 
I love it. It's, it's, you said it's a challenge, but I look at it as an opportunity to make it even better. Yeah. You can sometimes you're not That's as distracted way. in the moment. And if you're just working on syncing your dialogue to your, you know, lip flapping, <laughs> uh, it can be fun. I mean, it can be, and especially, especially when you nail it. And then there's those moments in ADR that should be simple. Yeah. You spend oh, yeah. 20 minutes trying to get like two words. And you just yeah. Can't. Yeah. Do you think that doing so much voiceover has helped with ADR? Yeah, the best experience I had though was I did a Avengers Assemble for a, a half a decade. And I was- you Tony Stark in that, right? Yeah. Yeah, but when I was Iron Man, it was the best because I had a mask on. So you, I didn't have to, I would do ADR for my lines, but I didn't have yeah. to match anything because it was- So great. That was fun. It was more challenging a cartoon as uh, Tony Stark, as Tony Stark, but it does help being able to work with voice and under understanding, you know, how you can modulate and how you can change inflection. Yeah, it, there's not a whole lot helps. of actors that do both. You know, that are voiceover and what do you call it, live action. Yeah, yeah. How did you How did you get into the biz? Me? Yeah. Uh. Well, I was, um, I was in college, I got in a, in a car accident and uh, I had to find another way to uh, spend my days because I was learning to rehabilitate. And- uh, Oh my God, no way. Worked in a, it's no big deal. I, I mean, it happens to loads of people, but I, I did it. And when I was working in a repertory theater company and uh, had an accident with a table saw and I cut off part of my thumb and uh, they gave me, <laughs> yeah, they gave me, uh, I think I got like, 400 and something dollars workman's comp for a year, which allowed me to pay for a $370 apartment in New York City. And then I had, you know, 30 bucks left over for cheese and bread in a toaster oven to make grilled cheese sandwiches. And that was how I got to New York and then ended up studying at uh, Lee Strasberg. And um, it, 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 it's, you know what, there's not one roadmap as I'm sure you guys can, you know, it's, it's everybody's story is different. Like I, it's not like going to be a doctor. Right. Mm -hmm. You go to school for this and then you do that and then you do this. Odds are this is going to happen if you're good at what you do. Yeah. With acting, it's such a crapshoot. You know, you know, it depends on people that are hiring you, what you're fitting into. It's really depend depends on so many elements that aren't controllable by you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you end up kind of it's, you, you throw up caution to the wind and, and just do your best. And if you land with a bunch of people often enough, the odds are you'll land, land with people like that again. Yeah. But there's it's so much luck of the draw in so many ways. Did you know you wanted to be an actor or did you have the accident and that made you reevaluate what you wanted to do or how did that? It was a combination. I wanted to be a cowboy, a doctor, uh, you know, um, a fighter pilot, um, uh, an Air Force a general. Superhero. Yeah, superhero. I wanted to do all those things and I realized there's only one occupation that's going to allow me to do all that stuff. Oh, awesome. So I thought that that'd be pretty cool, you know, to be able to just pick and choose and do things that are, you know, of course it doesn't always <laughs> make it sound pick and choose. Sometimes it picks and chooses you, but yeah, um, you know, how it's just, it's, uh, it, I think it's a lot of uh, good fortune and, and the blessings of working with good people that, that kind of make the road smoother, you know? And did you have did you any inroads? And... Oh no, go on. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, did you have any inroads in? Did you know anyone that did it? Did, does anyone in your family do it? What was no. it that made you think that 
what planted that seed do you think what, what how did you uh i remember uh you know growing up and being um influenced by some of the movies that i'd seen and thought wow these guys have such power in being quiet and yeah. sometimes a scene that's really um, powerful is, is the ones that are you're not you know pushing it yeah. you, you know what i'm saying so that yeah. that kind of it, that was attracting to me being a career where I could be a part of something and not be solely responsible for its success or failure, like a team, mm. you know? Um, I, I don't know. I didn't have anybody to, to point to at, at, at that young age. So I had to kind of figure it out on my own. I remember Woody Harrelson and I had the same agent. Somehow I got this agent. I, I, I went up, I, I did an audition, you know how that's, you know, to do an audition. And I remember standing up on her desk doing the scene, Sam Shepard from a play called Action. Oh, and and I, I remember her looking up at me going, why, what are you doing standing on my desk? And I was like, I just felt like I needed to get your attention. Oh, just at that moment, Woody, Woody came in and Woody used to rollerblade, not rollerblade, sorry, roller skate with the four wheels. Yeah. Woody used to rollerblade around New York. No. Yeah, and the always when you when you get in in those buildings that they, they try to chase you, they want you to take your skates off, and that you get in the <laughs> elevator and the security guards chasing you. So they were chasing Woody up the stairs, and he <laughs> ran into her office. And I remember that moment going, "I'll see you down the road," and I sure did. Um, wow! Well, so you were up on the desk, and Woody rolls in on his skates, being chased down by security yeah. guards. She must have been like, "What is New York? Why <laughs> did you do this?" I, I took my shoes off just in the interest of transparency here. I took my shoes off before I got on her desk. I didn't, oh, unlike Woody, he didn't take his skates off before he came into her oh, office. No. Well, how crazy. Yeah. What were you going to say, Zach? I, I oh, I was you. just going to say, was there a specific role that you felt like either you knew it was for you or that everything kind of changed that you're like, yes, this is it. Or there was a big leap in career like when did that happen and, and I had a lot of little small little progress uh initially um with some you know in some big movies small parts in big movies big parts in smaller movies but this show called Profit came around and um it's yeah, yeah right that show was great it, it was way ahead of its time it was uh, Shakespearean and it's it was just anyways there's a lot to say about it but and I've gotten the most uh, kudos and congratulations and awards for that. And that's, I did absolutely the least amount of work on that show. I literally, it's, it's hit your mark, say your line, don't get in the way of it. Let but everything you slept else. In a box. Huh? But you slept in a box. Slept in a box. There's that in a cardboard washing machine box. Yeah, that's true. There were elements of, uh, they were way ahead of their time. Yeah, they were. Yeah, and you know those guys went on to do low was some uh, uh, um, the low was the Superman thing he worked on, right? Was it Lois and Clark? Yeah, uh, that was John McNamara. He did Prophet. David Greenwald, who wrote Prophet with him, did Grimm and Buffy, and you know all those shows. Um, so there were a bunch of great people even back then. I think Zach, that those were the that was the one show that kind of. I look back and I remember the, the um, after the first day of dailies on the second day, uh, the, the, 
the second day, the night, they came knocking on my door, the producers, and they said, we have a problem. And I said, what? They go, the studio's really unhappy with what you're doing. And I was standing there going, well, isn't that what they're supposed to feel? You guys wrote it. I'm just saying it. Don't come to me. I'm like, <laughs> and they both looked at me like, well, maybe you're right. <laughs> you didn't change anything. It didn't change a thing. They just kept going. And finally, the studio came around and the network too. They just kind of went, well, okay, you're onto something. Where does that confidence wow. come from to just go? Because that is, you know, there's so many cooks in the kitchen sometimes, especially on big shows. Where does that confidence come? Where did that come from in the moment where you could go? I didn't know. Do my I, job? I didn't know I couldn't. Wow, that's where that's good. I was just kind of like, you know, I just, on answered them honestly they're like we have a problem they don't like what you're doing they go well then we're doing the right thing what, what's the problem yeah you know and, and it was it sounds like confidence and cockiness and arrogance and swagger but it was really just a lack of intelligence on my part that I, I didn't have any more information I was just responding to what they said you know but I think that's good though right and maybe you've been in situations like that Ken where you go at a certain point you are it doesn't matter where you're at in the machine you paid to do your part of it and so you there is a thing about honesty right that if you went into prep for a pilot and they said you know you have to be able to know how you would do it and if they disagree with it at some point you got to go well let me do it and I'll show you that it's enough right did you have to step into a lead was that hard stepping into a leadership role after kind of being you know a kid on the street that somebody said hold this boom I'll give you two grand a week yeah I think what the challenge for me was I was so young when I moved up to sound mixer that right. tough part was to walk up to a director who had been doing it for years and years and years and presenting my case with any kind of confidence and having them take me seriously. And it didn't always work. It took a while. But with repetitions, you know, you, you start to know how to do it and, and how to do your job better, too. And I've always felt the less I have to interact with, with uh, directors and actors the better it is for everybody. Just do my job, do it right. And don't bother them. As transparent as we can be, you guys have so much to think about. Directors, you know, directors, you know. Have, and I do too, have so much to think about. Everyone's asking them questions. I mean, there's a million things on their plate. Do your, you've been hired to be a professional, to come in and do your job. Do your job and do it in a way that you do not have to inflict yourself upon them. And at the end of the day, they're going to say, wow, I didn't even talk to the sound guy today. And it sounded great. I mean, that's a win-win if you can do that. But there's so much confidence in, in, in that. I remember at the start of season one, I would go home to Zach and say, oh my gosh, I just, I don't know if I'm doing a good job. Should I probably go to the bosses and say, I know I messed up yesterday and you're probably thinking you want to fire me, but maybe don't fire me. I can do better than, and he said, no, no news is good news. Just exactly as you say, like, go to work, do your job, do your best, go home and hope for no news. <laughs> and I think there's that I, you only learn, or at least I only learned that by, you know, doing it for a bit. And then you go, oh no, I, I should have confidence maybe. And, you know, that's a good, you don't need praise all the time maybe. Yeah, sometimes being able to forgive yourself too for a day that didn't go as well as you wanted to, but knowing that you got another shot at it tomorrow. Yeah, sometimes and everybody's- Hour, yeah. Then. Oh, totally. 
And there's so many jobs on the set that most people are just thinking, oh man, I messed up that take and nobody else would notice or, you know, I mean, come on, Tommy messed up every take. Yeah, I mean, Boom on the ground, dragging along, booming shot. Sleep while we're rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I would come on to work and go, Tommy, you're still here. It's a good day. <laughs> every day for five years you said that. Every day, every day. Tommy, here you are. Look at you. You go, you go, you go. You have a good day. <laughs> now, he was one of the best. And Kenny, you, you assembled such, Ron, and I mean, you assembled such a great team. And those guys were such a huge part. Like you said, we'd come out of hair and makeup, out of wardrobe, and you guys are the first ones we see. And it, it makes, it can, it, it can it tilt the action of the day, depending on how that exchange goes. There's a real power in it because when you have a relationship especially when you know the guys and you can joke around it kind of loosens everybody up you know especially yeah. the actor ultimately if the actor feels loose and has a banter with folks it can make the day go so much so much better you know? yeah, we totally. we always want the sound card a, a place where people want to come to so they know we're not gonna we're not gonna bitch about the rest of the crew the rest of the cast we're gonna you know have a, a couple of jokes have a good time and and uh, make yep. everybody feel better. You know, you want to feel better when you've left this group. Absolutely, yeah. that's exactly what I'm saying. And we always did without fail. Yeah, and there's so many, it's such a, you know, cause when you have, oh, the episode's finished. Didn't hardly watched it, it was brilliant. Everyone was great. <laughs> um, when you do hair and makeup, that's obviously a really, um, you know, a close relationship. But then you get touch-ups throughout the day, but with sound, you're kind of adjusting mics. And then as soon as you come in closer, the mats go down and you don't, you have to be softer with your props. And it's a continuous dialogue between the sound department and actors as you go through. And everybody's trying to walk that line of how do we make this a great performance, but equally be usable because if this sound isn't usable, you're going to be an ADR. So it doesn't matter if you get the tear in the perfect place, you're going to have to redo this ADR unless you, you know, put that prop down softly or. Well, so I think cool... Liz, you probably, you probably admit that. I mean, you agree with this, that there, when you're on a show for a long time and Ken, you, you, when you know, when the actor knows the sound mixer and the sound mixer knows the actor that they can, they can anticipate. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, whether you're going to modulate up, you're going to talk louder or you're going to kind of come down. And again, there's, there's also a shorthand that comes into play, you know, which is priceless for the actor because it's yeah. like you got somebody in, in the wings helping you be, be better and allow freeing you up, allowing you to do what it is you do. You know, it's nothing worse than laying down a scene. You think it's perfect. And the sound guys over there going. <laughs> <laughs> I always look at sound of uh, sound and camera first. If I can see sound, I'll look over. And if they're not looking up, I know it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> the minute you see eyeballs, <laughs> you, you got you to go again. It's the same. I look at camera and sound before I look at the director. Because the directors come and go. Yeah. Even though we have a stable, you know, I'm going to be here next week. You're not. Totally. Yeah. These people are going to be here next week. And yeah. I got to, I'm, I'm going to put my ducats into that basket, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's so true. And you're right that you do get that. Yeah. 
language between everybody of oh that felt good yeah we're moving on and then you get to know if it's a director that is unsure and they're going again rather than it being a you thing or you know it could be you just get that no you're good you did great that was you know that was Tommy again it wasn't you right right (laughs) um I just gave out the zoom link poor Tommy (laughs) I just gave out the zoom link in this um and this way Tommy's built a career out of it Come on. He's not Um, even plugged in. (laughs) Um, This, uh, so now I invite people in to ask a question. I've just given out the Zoom link in the YouTube chat and this waiting room has filled up faster than it has ever filled up. So um, people are clearly interested in what you want to say. I'm going to invite a couple people in to ask a question. In they come. Uh, and then at the end, we'll invite a hundred people in and they'll just all wave goodbye. So this is Adam. Hi, Adam. Oh, hey, Liz. Hey. We can't see you. Do you want us to see you? Oh, yeah. Hold on. Okay. Good? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Love the t-shirt. Oh, thanks. 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 And the headset. Gosh, you're really Mm. showing us all. That's perfect for a sound guy come on ken are you impressed very impressed um do you have a question adam uh yeah this is for adrian when you were joining for the first time ever were you ever expecting to have a uh, reoccurring role for over at least several seasons um you never know i didn't i hadn't the first uh couple episodes we just thought it might be a nice arc but when you start having good things happen on the set and people respond to it. Uh, they tend to extend those arcs. Um, but it's always, a, it, nothing's ever guaranteed and they want their, they want an exit door in case things don't work out. Especially with a character like Talbot who's taken a lot of risks in terms of the tone of the show. So, no, I didn't know. It was, uh, I was very fortunate to be able to work with the people I did. They, they made it so it wasn't just the work I turned into. I mean, as soon as you did your first scene, everybody was obsessed. I can just imagine the writer's room being like, oh my gosh, how do we get more of him? It was such a good comic relief that at the point that you came in, it all got quite serious and Hydra-like and right. you know, espionage and like a lot of violence happening and S.H.I.E.L.D. was destroyed. And then Glenn Talbot was just such a great comic relief and then but you just you believed him too and oh i don't know I well no they, they they took such liberties and i'm they would sit there and say things like i mean they had me reading a gardening magazine with tractors on it right <laughs> the beginning of one scene and i'm just i started going <clears throat> like making the noises of a tractor. <laughs> you know i was just goofing i don't know if, if kenny you remember that but yeah i was just goofing around and that's how the scene starts, you know. I would, so they would write things like I would say things like, "If you think I'm going to be on Gus, God's crusty green marble, well, you have another thing come." And if you say it seriously, you got it. What did he say? <laughs> What's he talking about? You know. <laughs> so they had a. Do you just approach a role and you're like, "I'm just going to go a thousand percent." You know, I don't know how long I'm. I don't know how many episodes I'm in for. I'm just going to go big or go home. Well, that's it with a character like this, absolutely. But again, being in that pocket of the cast and the show um, made it so much easier. It was like I had such a tremendous safety net. 
underneath me, Adam. You know, it was like I had a, it was a, there were so many people to turn to that if something started to slip, any one of the cast could have picked up the, picked up the slack. Well, then you know that if, you, if you're going to do a tractor sound effect, Ken is going to get that for you. Oh, yeah. Ken never stopped throwing. <laughs> Thank you for your question, Adam. Thank I'm you gonna... very much. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Have a good Feel one. Feel free to stick right. around. I'm going to invite Saren in. Let me know if I've said your name wrong. Serene, Saren. Where, no. where? Oh, hello. Oh. Hi. Oh my gosh, I love trees and you've got trees up as artwork. I'm slightly obsessed with this. This is actually our wedding guest book. Oh, how oh cool. my gosh, tell us. So everybody find a bird. Married. Everybody find oh a bird. Oh my gosh. Oh, I love that. That's, That's such a good cool. idea. Might steal that. How long have you been married? Six and a half years now. Oh, congratulations. congratulations. Oh, really? <laughs> mm. How do you do it? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. You've made it through quarantine. That's the most impressive year. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> do you have a question? Um, yeah, so for Adrian, I was wondering, you've got such a wonderful dynamic with the cast and everything that we see on screen. Hmm. Was it something that sort of happened quite naturally at the beginning or was that something that massively developed over time? Because just the way you interact with, especially Greg and some of the ways you interact with each other, it's fantastic. Well, thanks. Uh, you know, it, it, again, it, it comes down to the nature of the cast very often. You could be on a show for five years and it's not anywhere close to what this was. Do you know what I mean? You could, it, it doesn't always be a guarantee that just because the show's been on the air that it's, or has a great potential that it's going to be good. Um, and I knew a lot of the crew from pre previous uh, jobs. So when you can walk onto a set and be like, you know, hey, Cam, what's going on? You know, or, or talk to, you know, you know people, it kind of makes you feel a little more comfortable about everything. And the friendliness that, that they show opens up your heart and it, um, I think it allows you to do the best work you're possible of doing. Maybe somebody else could do it better, but at least it allows you to step up into it with courage and, and compassion and empathy. And, uh, you know, those are, those are fun jobs. And there's reasons that shows stay on the air for a long time, you know, especially a show like this with so many characters. Um, it's because they were all great people. They really worked hard and everybody gave everybody such consideration. There was no egos on this show at all. I mean, except for Tommy, but th there was no... You know. <laughs> you know, what's so strange is that that ping was my phone and it's Tom and he says, hi, Lil, I tried to join, but um, people, so I couldn't get in. So poor Tommy is just did try, but it's probably it's probably good. Let's everybody keep up. I'm just going through to see if um, he's in the waiting room. He's not, but... Um, Fingers crossed he doesn't watch this back and I'll just say, oh, we missed you. We gave you a shout out. Sorry, you couldn't get in. That's too bad. That's too bad. Next time, I mean, it's next time. Us, but it's too bad. <laughs> yeah. um, thank you so much for your question. How do I say your name, Serene, Seren? Seren. Seren, oh my gosh, the most beautiful of all the iterations. 
um, congratulations on six and a half years being yeah, married, especially now. That's very impressive. <laughs> um, thank you, Adam, for your question. Adrian and Ken, we just love you so much. Thank you. I'm so happy that we got to pick your brains for an hour. Um, Thanks for having so us. Good Always to an honor to be with oh, you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Really a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Have fun. And um, Adrian, thank you, guys. I, I have, are we allowed to say the thing you're working on that we were talking about in the intro, or is it a surprise? Oh no. Um, yeah, sorry, that's sweet of you. I wasn't. I didn't bring it up for that reason. I'm doing a podcast um, called um, "No Guts, No Glory," and it's about people who overcome triumph from all walks of life, whether it's you know Tom Hanks or Gary Sinise or, or um, even people like Tom. Um, <laughs> No, it's about people who overcome ad adversity and, and turn tragedy into, into triumph and, and what that means to them and their families and what it took to get from a problem place to a non-problem place. So in, in the next month or so, it should be up and uh, running. It'll be international too. Cannot wait for that. We'll Amazing. definitely check I'll it out. I'll have you on as, all as honest guests. I want to hear the stories. Yeah, we triumphed over working with Tommy. And then that's the last time we're going to rip on Tom. We're going to have to let him come on to... <laughs> defend himself defend. actually he should be my first guest yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh but thank, thank you so thank you for much. offering that. yes no guts no glory that will yes. be definitely on my watch list listen list list, list. <laughs> yeah um thank you guys this is the part where i let in people that are in the waiting room and we just wave and it's chaotic and wonderful and then I'll end the zoom and you guys can go back to your Californian lives and I'll go back to the snow probably Sarah and I are back to the grim weather I don't know where you are but it's pretty Scotland. oh my it's gosh and here I am saying it's cold <laughs> in London oh I'm so sorry no one's Cincinnati snow Oh no, snow, uh, snow everywhere. So really it's just Ken and Adrian who have the sunshine. That's okay. <laughs> I prefer the snow, but. Oh, I'll send you some. Please do. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here a cup of water, but yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you guys. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Get ready to wave. Here everyone comes. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I'm looking for Oh my gosh, that was so fun. Gosh, the, my cheeks hurt from laughing so much. Oh, how fun. <laughs> Hashtag sorry, Tom. He just was texting me saying he heard us ragging on it. I'm so sorry about that, Tom. We love you. Of course, it is all in jest. Tom is an incredible boom operator and just so amazing. And oh gosh, I hope, I hope it came across how brilliant Ken and Adrian are. I mean, I know it will have done. They're both just so, oh, just so wonderful. And I think one thing that became apparent to me in that live that I think is true of my most favorite people to work with is that there's a there's an inner confidence of obviously they've both been doing this for a long time and are masters in their craft but there's there's that wonderful confidence that brings out kindness and I think when you are secure in yourself and you are secure in your craft and that means that you're 
it often correlates to being up for having a good time and to bring joy and to understand that we're so lucky to be able to be doing this and you know it's the people that I think end up being a bit difficult to work with that it comes from an insecurity and I don't know often the nicest people are the most talented and brilliant at their jobs because you know they're just secure and they want other people to do well it's not a case of me v you it's how do we all make this the best it can be and a fun place to work and that's what both of them bring to the set I just I I'm having a bit of a weird moment of like oh my gosh these people were just on the podcast just because they're both amazing and like god as if Adrian Pazdar was on this podcast and we were zooming him and I'm in our leopard print jackets. I'm just, life is funny sometimes. And I'm just really sinking in this moment of, whoa, that's so cool and how crazy. And to have Ken on there, who's been such a wonderful mentor to me and he kind of hinted at it, although he wasn't going to hint at it. I had to hint at it for him that he has also directed an episode of, or a bunch of stuff of TV not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but other shows that he's done. And he was uh, so lovely to me when I was directing my episode and when I was shadowing and so encouraging and just wonderful. They're both just brilliant, brilliant people. And I don't know if you noticed in this episode is when Coulson says, we are Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's part of the sizzle for this. S.H.I.E.L.D., 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 S.H.I.E.L.D. that Sarah Moscato did for us. And... I requested that she crank up the echo on We Are Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 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 And that is from this episode. So how wonderful is that? Right. Gosh, I've just got that post-show glow that I should get on with answering these questions that people have so kindly asked on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Reddit page. Uh, what was it like meeting and working with Patton Oswald for the first time? Uh, Patton has a big role in the next episode as well. I'll just take off my velour leopard print jacket. I am now predictably absolutely boiling. It, oh, it was so brilliant. It was so brilliant. This was the point in shooting that every script was red pages, which means that you can't print them from your printer doesn't allow you to print red pages if that's how it is in the document. So it was all very, very secretive. And then we got crazy heavyweights like Adrian Pazdar and Patton Oswald on the show. It was just, it was just a crazy time. I felt very starstruck meeting Patton, but then as soon as you meet him, he just immediately puts you at ease. He's so funny, so smart, so lovely. We just, we really just had the best people on. So it was amazing. Oh, Hannah, I'm curious about the role of showrunner versus EP. What is the difference? It's clear that Mo, Jed, Jeff, Jeff are the most hands-on with the cast and I've always wondered how their roles differ. Oh, this is such a great question. So executive producer is what EP stands for and a showrunner often is just one person and they oversee the creative side of making the show happen and then you have the production side, which is more the money side, and that's Gary Brown, and they are the line producer, and they uh, make all the financial things click into place. So on our show, there were co-showrunners, so that was Mo, Jed, 
and Jeff Bell. So they were involved in the day-to-day running of the show. So overseeing... So the way it worked on our show is that you have... uh, They probably all shared the roles, actually. So you have a writer that runs the writer's room and then... I just don't feel like I'm explaining this very well. Basically, the showrunner oversees all the creative sides, so has the final says in casting and the storytelling and the script writing and the logistics of making the creative side happen. And then executive producers, there's so many different roles that an executive producer can have, but you are one of the bosses. So say for Jeff Loeb, he wasn't involved, he wasn't in that office every single day because he was the executive producer from Marvel. So he was overseeing everything, but wasn't in the day-to-day in the writer's room because he was also EPing a bunch of other Marvel shows. And then Joss Whedon was also an EP, but he also wasn't in the writer's room day-to-day. So there's different kind of levels of different roles that different EPs can have. And then often an actor on the show can also be an EP of the show, which just gives them a greater control over what's happening. Say I booked a show and I was the lead and they said, you know, you can be EP as well. That means I just have greater creative input, but I wouldn't be running the show day to day as a showrunner. Or some people do and other lead of a show as well. So EP varies massively as to what your role would be and what section you do. But if you're an EP, basically you're one of the bosses, which can be varying degrees of say and hands-on-ness. But say if you're the showrunner, then you are making it happen day to day. I hope that answers your question. There's many varieties of it. And I feel like I should probably get someone on that knows more than me to answer that question fully if that did not do it for you, Hannah. But thank you for your question. L. Varenus 2020 said, when you wrapped shooting for this episode, did you have a sense of excitement about what was going to be revealed to the public? Was there a feeling of wait until they see what we did or a prideful suspense given what Brett said? Was there any dread? Yes, all of it. It was a little bit stressful because... It's funny, I just, I always search my emails for the episode that we're doing just to see the correspondence around it and everything. And there were a lot of emails back and forth about this is on red pages and this is what red pages mean. And we're changing the names of the episodes and this is going to be that. And, you know, here's what's top secret and make sure you don't. There was just a lot of, you know, people were really wanting to keep it a surprise, the big reveal. And also we had the whole of the Marvel movies that we didn't want to spoil (laughs) so yeah there was a lot riding on these episodes and and the whole show changed all of a sudden we got a new set we were in this bunker we had Pan Oswald there we didn't have any windows anymore we had so many walking talks we'd left the bus behind and we'd everything just completely changed all of a sudden we were agents of nothing rather than agents of shield and we were questioning colson who was this person that was a father figure to us from other movies i mean going to watch the movies there were i felt a a safety with agent colson and then all of a sudden we're questioning him and you know what has happened to agent fury and that's samuel l jackson we're talking about i mean it was just yes there was a lot of pressure on it 
in a good way, you know, I always felt like we were very protected and safe and, you know, supported and everything, but it was just big. Yeah, it did feel big and it felt suspenseful, but I think it wasn't so much dread of it coming out. It was excitement about people finally being able to see it. I think perhaps dread of, oh my gosh, I hope I don't mess up and say something I shouldn't say. Oh, let's do this one. Lou too says, we can finally see that Fitz is on the verge of telling Gemma that he has feelings for her. Does Gemma realise her feelings for Fitz yet? Would Fitz have told her sooner if they weren't finding out about Ward? I don't think Gemma realised her feelings for Fitz until after the finale, to be honest. So no, I don't think, I don't think she is in that headspace at all at this point. So no, I don't, but it is cute to see that play out and to remember what happens in the finale of season one. Oh gosh, still makes my heart break a little bit. So cute. Hey you guys, I hope this records because, you know, sound is of the essence of this episode since we had Ken Fuller, who I keep calling head of sound, but production mixer, production sound mixer. You know, I want him to be impressed. I hope this sounds good, Ken. I've got a microphone and everything, special microphone, special headphones. We'll see if it records or not. Thank you again to our amazing guests on this week's podcast. Ken Fuller, Adrian Pazda, Zachary Burt-Abel, Adam and Saren, who asked amazing questions, didn't even get the name of Saren's husband of six and a half years. Oh, and thank you guys for listening. This was so fun. As always, I don't want to leave you. I don't want to... I just... I can never sleep properly on a Sunday night when we're recording these because I'm just so jazzed afterwards. Oh, you guys, thank you so much for being here. Keep your reviews coming in. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all your ratings and reviewings of this podcast. We absolutely love reading them and it really helps people find us. And it also means that you have a chance of winning some incredible prizes, which we will tailor to the winners. But I'm hoping that I get some of this merch to arrive in time. And if it doesn't arrive in time, it will just be a delayed gift because I would love you to have it. And then we'll figure out prizes that would suit the the people, the people that write in reviews. But do send in your reviews. You'll be entered in a raffle and we'll get in touch with you in a verified manner and um, we'll figure out what prize might suit you best. But I would love to do some sort of Q&A special edition podcast to celebrate the end of our first season. But we've got a few episodes until that point. So you've got time, you've got time, you've got time. Appreciate you all so much. Love you. Wishing you an amazing week. Happy Tuesday if you're listening to this the day that it comes out. And if not, happy any day that it is. (laughs) Can you tell? I don't want to go... Hey, love ya. See you next week.